Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So there's been a thought kind of bouncing around my head a little bit over the course of the last couple of days. I think I've talked to Connor Riley about this in the show. I'm going to talk to Mike Griffith about it here coming up in just a little bit there as well. It's the kind of common factor that seems to have united the best teams that Kirby Smart has had at uh, Georgia. Go back and look at the team that won the SEC and played in the college ball playoff in 2017. That team had a lot going for it, but one of the hallmarks of that team was the great play of Roquan Smith at the inside linebacker spot. After all, that kind of uh, helped propel him to a Buckus Award uh, win. He was a highly rated NFL first-round draft pick, one of the most beloved figures in recent UGA history. Had one of the best single seasons that a player in uh, Georgia history has kind of had there. Uh, And, you know, Roquan Smith was obviously such a huge part of that success that Georgia enjoyed in 2017. Then fast forward a little bit to 2021, uh, Georgia all of a sudden is – you know, winning the national championship, and there's a long list of reasons why UGA won the national championship there in uh, 2021. But among those was the play of another great inside linebacker, Nicobe Dean, who also won the Buckus Award there uh, for the Dogs last season. And when you look at those two, kind of what appears to be kind of a unifying characteristic, on the one hand, I'll totally acknowledge there's a chance this is true. On the one hand, maybe you just say, it's always great to have great players, and maybe there's nothing specific about this position in particular. It's just good to have really good players when you're trying to win a championship, and you'll take you know award-level players, first-round draft pick-level players. You'll take them any spot you can get them, and it doesn't necessarily matter all that much. That may be to an extent true. However, it's hard not to notice for a defensive-minded coach like Smart how much he seems to rely on that almost coach on the field, the way that Roquan was and the way that N'Kobe Dean was and how much that was such an important part of the Georgia equation. In fact, to give you an example of that, you know, Kirby Smart last season when asked to kind of help make the case for, for uh, uh, N'Kobe Dean winning the, the Buckus Award, obviously talked about N'Kobe as a player, but he also talked about his own experience having coached players like this and how you know Smart as a defensive mastermind and kind of utilize these types of guys in the past and to kind of set us up for where I want to take us here for a couple of minutes. Let me let you hear smart talking about just how important Nicobe Dean was to Georgia's defense in 2021. This is Kirby. Cause he's one of the best linebackers in the country. And if the award is based on statistics and number of snaps, shame on the award, because that's not what it's about. It's supposed to go to the best linebacker in the country. And I've, you know, been very fortunate to coach guys that have won that at multiple places and he's in that same category of guys, you know. And uh, it's tough because, you know, I think Quay and Channing are deserving of it. But you know what's great about those three guys? They just want to win. And that's what's been special about this team because as these accolades and awards and finalists have come out, those three guys are, are not worried about any of it. They're worried about winning a championship. And uh, I think Kobe would tell you before anybody on our team, it's a whole lot more important how he grows and plays and continues to lead our team than just about that award. Uh, but he's one of the most explosive, uh, best blitzing linebackers, smartest that I've seen. And, you know, Quay and Channing both have really good strengths, too. They complement each other uh, really well, all three of them. So, first of all, Smart is clearly right about one thing. While, you know, Nicobe Dean's a little bit like Roquan Smith, and they both were inside linebackers. They had great individual seasons. The truth is, 
is that Georgia's play in that kind of inside linebacker spot last year was about more than just N'Kobe Dean. Quay Walker was extraordinary, and he's going to be rewarded with a very you know impressive draft position coming up in a few weeks as an example of that. And obviously Channing Tindall had a great career and a great final season there at UGA too. So it was more than just N'Kobe Dean at the inside linebacker spot for Georgia last season, but Dean was the guy that probably was thought of as the heads and head and shoulder guy, you know, ahead in that group because he won the Buckus Award and because he was such a big leader. In fact, you heard Smart use that phrase there in describing to Kobe Dean a moment ago, just talking about his leadership characteristics. But now the leadership that Kobe Dean provided to Georgia, is no long, he's no longer there to provide it. That's a void that must be filled. And Quay Walker's no longer there anymore. And Channing Tindall's no longer there anymore, which kind of brings you back to the question of, well, if great success for Georgia in 2017 with Roquan and in 2021 with Nakobe, if great success required the great inside linebacker, does Georgia have one of those for the upcoming season? How important is cultivating that play at the inside linebacker position to get this 2022 team to where it has the potential of going? And you don't want to ever put too much on one guy, but part of the reason it's so interesting that Kirby in talking about Kobe Dean, what makes him a Buckus Award type guy a year ago, talked about the leadership stuff along with what's happening kind of on the on-field stuff there as well. Which to make this about the present day here for a moment, when Kirby Smart last week was asked about what kind of leadership are you seeing? Now, it's important to note, this is leadership regardless of position. This is kind of an open-ended question about leadership. When asked to um, to describe the current leadership credentials that you're seeing among Georgia players, the first name that Smart mentioned was also an inside linebacker. It's Jamon Dubas Johnson. They call him Pop, and you'll hear uh, Kirby say that right here. But in terms of the leadership stuff that N'Kobe Dean gave Georgia a year ago, it sounds like a new guy in that role for this upcoming season, Jamon Dumas Johnson, might be on his way to doing that. some of that same kind of stuff there as well. This was Kirby from last week. I thought this was interesting. Yeah, I think we got a lot of guys stepping up. Uh, I think Pop's doing a great job stepping up. Um, you know, Cedric Van Pran, Warren Erickson are guys that continue to lead up front. I think Rogers tried to take on a, a little bit greater role. Kiers continues to do that. Uh, Nolan has been tremendous at, uh, at being vocal when things aren't going right. Um, Keithy has done a good job of that. So there's a lot of guys. Um, you can just see them trying to assert themselves and encourage uh, more than um, discourage. So let me make my point on this pretty clear here for a moment, be as direct as I possibly can be. It is not my purpose in having this conversation with you today to say, Jamon Dumas Johnson's the next guy. Uh, it was it was Kobe Dean before, it was Roquan Smith before that, and the, th- you know, the next generation of that great, great linebacker is Jamon Dumas Johnson. It's not really my intent to kind of put that on him. I think it'd be unfair. It'd probably also you know, have the potential of being inaccurate, which I don't want to be if I can uh, avoid that. So this is not necessarily supposed to be kind of a runaway hype train type topic. I'm not necessarily averse to those types of things. But in this particular case, that's not what I'm doing. Instead, I'm offering as Kirby kind of said at the end of that clip, you know, a little bit of positivity. This is kind of like my positive spin on this here for a moment that when you look at how much George relied on Nicobe and Quay Walker and Channing Tindall a year ago, how much they played, they were very rarely injured. They very rarely came off the field that Georgia just didn't have to go into its depth very much the inside linebacker spot before. It would be entirely possible that Georgia just doesn't have a big-time inside linebacker this year because those guys didn't get the game reps a year ago they might would have needed to get a chance to do that. It's entirely possible that would have been the case. However, this year you do 
if you're a Georgia fan, I think take a little bit of hope in the fact that, boy, it kind of looks like, you know, kind of looks like, you know, Jamon Dumas Johnson, they call him Pop. We around here kind of call him JDJ from time to time. It kind of seems like this guy's kind of, you know, kind of, you know, coming into his own and giving himself a chance to to maybe, if not quite be what N'Kobe Dean was, at least take the baton from, from N'Kobe Dean in the hopes of building that inside linebacker group to at least resemble some of the great success there from 2021. And it's not just me that's saying that or Kirby Smart with some of his other comments hinting at that. Some other Georgia players are coming out right and saying that kind of stuff there as well. I thought it was really cool the other day when Kendall Milton, who's always such a great spokesman for this team, but when Milton was talking with reporters and he was talking about his own position group and himself coming back from injury and what he hopes to do this year. But obviously, a lot of times in football, you know, running backs are battling with the linebackers. It seems like there's those guys can be matched up against each other from time to time. And so Kendall Milton in the discussion of the day was asked to give his thoughts about Jamon uh, Dumas Johnson. And uh, Milton gave a, a pretty cool answer to kind of what he sees as the potential for a guy like the guy they call Pop. Uh, there at UGA, this was uh, Milton the other day. I think Pop is going to be special. I see a lot of uh, resemblances with Quay in his game. You know, when you go out there, run routes against him, uh, we do the drills where we have to kind of juke him out. He's just patient. You know, he just lets everything come to him. He's smart with the game, and, you know, he's a super physical player, and I feel like those are all tools that um, kind of make a good linebacker in the long run, and I feel like Pop, he's going to be another one of those guys that, you know, steps up on the defense and becomes a, a leader on the team. So you heard me make the comparison to what N'Kobe Dean did in 2021 to what Roquan Smith did in 2017. Kendall Milton says there, oh, my comparison might be more Quay Walker. Um, I'll take that too. <laughs> do you see what Quay Walker did for Georgia this past season? Do you see where Quay Walker is about to be drafted in this upcoming NFL draft? Uh, if you're telling me that JDJ or Pop, as they call him, is the next Quay Walker, uh, I will sign up for that eight days a week. And I know every other Georgia fan would there as well. So let me just kind of kind of sum all this up here for a moment. Um, I don't know how much of a meaningful connection it is that the 2017 team, a great performance from Georgia, had the great inside linebacker, and the 2021 team did as well. Two Butkus Award-winning guys, two guys that stand at the forefront of some of the most important players that Kirby Smart has had here in his tenure. I don't know how much of a unifying characteristic that is. My assumption is it must mean something. So therefore, as I start looking ahead to the chances for success – for this 2022 team, whether it's getting back to the playoff, winning the SEC, repeating as national champions, whatever whatever exists as a possibility, cultivating that guy that can at least remind you a little bit of some of the great guys who've come before him at that inside linebacker position, it seems like it's a pretty important task for UGA. And thus far this spring, it seems like Georgia may be well on its way to identifying a guy in Jamon Dumas Johnson who's turning heads during some scrimmage stuff and getting praise from coaches and players. It seems like a guy like Dumas Johnson could be on his way to, to maybe being a part of that conversation as we head closer to the start of the 2022 campaign. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Breda Pest Management. So glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video. Normally, we start at 945 for our first in 15 at dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app. We always get going at 10 a.m., including right now. These are pre-recorded shows for a couple of days here. Uh, but it's Facebook, it's YouTube, it's Twitter, it's Twitch. We're gl- glad to have all of you with us. Of course, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 963F, podcast form, wherever you find them, Apple, Spotify, posting the show at the worldfamousdognation.com. Just really appreciate all of you checking in with us. And of course, we certainly appreciate our friends at Breda Pest Management making all of it possible. You know, the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics, good friends of ours here at Dog Nation Daily there as well. What that means is, 
They're taking care of Sanford Stadium. They're taking care of Foley Field. They're taking care of the equestrian complex, and they can take care of your home there as well. You need a great, dependable service like Breda Pass Management for you because I mentioned Sanford Stadium a moment ago. Think about this. You know, that football field surface, think about that grass. That space is big enough for about a million termites. I mean, that's amazing to think about, right? We live in Georgia. Termites are just a fact of life. If you haven't dealt with them before, eventually you probably will deal with them because that's just what it means to live in the state of Georgia, which is why you want expert protection for your home. That's the kind of thing that Breda Pest Management can provide, has provided since 1975. they got more than 125 folks working for them, working for you to make sure your home stays protected, not just from the bugs, but the critters there as well. You don't want flying squirrels in your attic or anything like that, and so Breda Pest Management can help you if you kind of run into one of those issues there too. Very easy to get started. Just go to the website. It's BredaPest.com. Now, for those of you listening, radio podcast, let me explain. Let me explain. Uh, it's B-R-E-D-A. That's how you spell spell it bradapest.com for a lot more on that bradapest.com uh the official pest control provider of uga athletics good friends of ours here on dog nation daily there as well all right it is a wednesday for us that means mike griffith you're coming up in a couple of minutes time before that though i want to go around the doghouse here for a moment and i thought it was cool last week we got a chance to hear from a georgia player that we don't actually get to hear from a ton and it's always kind of nice to acquaint ourselves a little bit more uh deeply with you know guys who are working hard and earning their chance to get some big playing time at georgia brett scyther the tight ends an example of that and i think it's worth your time to go to the dog nation youtube page and see the full interview with scyther i thought the whole thing was really pretty good but there are a couple of things from scyther i want to highlight here for a moment i thought that brett had a really interesting evaluation of brock bowers and i'm going to play this clip for you partially for this reason you know bowers is kind of a way battling coming back from injury right now and all every indication is he's going to be fully healthy uh you know for the upcoming fall this is not too dissimilar to what a guy like saying kobe dean dealt with last spring when he didn't practice but by the time the fall rolled around was one of georgia's most important players we just talked about dean that's an important reminder of that so every indication is the bowers is going to be back to his old self again by the fall but while he is away from uh the practice field there's almost kind of an out of sight out of mind thing that kind of uh sneaks in here a little bit where you almost forget what you have in a player like bowers what he provided to georgia a year ago and that's why i thought the words from scyther the other day were so valuable in that regard of what it's like to have a guy like Brock in that tight end room and the things that he sees when he's had a chance to watch Brock working up close and personal. A great evaluation here from Scyther on Bowers, a guy who was so dominant record-setting a year ago. Take a listen to this right now. Brock's an incredible athlete. I think what stands out to me is how humble he is and coming in as a freshman, and I, I don't think I've ever seen him, his head blow up. He's always stayed level and super humble, so that was awesome to have somebody younger come in and be like that. Do not discount that. When you come in as a freshman, when you have more success than most freshmen are supposed to have, it would be very easy to buy into whatever folks are saying about you. In the old days, we would say reading your press clippings. Now it's more probably following the social media trends or the you know the blowhards that shout into a microphone for a living like myself. It would be very easy to fall in love with all that praise. But according to Scyther, a guy who would know because he sees him up close and personal saying that Brock Bowers is not doing those things. I take that as pretty good news. Uh, the guy like uh, Bowers is both – the kind of player that was able to enjoy great success a year ago, but also take the next step and be even better in his sophomore season simply because he has, at least according to a guy that plays with him, found a way to be level-headed and kind of maintain kind of feet-on-the-ground status throughout all of this. Also, one more clip I want to play from Scyther here for a moment. And here's one of the things that I find to be kind of amazing is that if you want to go back years ago when we were doing comment sections like our 
you know, first and 15 or, or RS Andrews cool down, things like that. One of the most popular questions for many years would be, how come Georgia doesn't throw more to tight ends? What's going on with UGA? Why can't they get the tight ends more involved? I mean, we heard that kind of a lot back then, right? Well, isn't it amazing how little we hear about that anymore and how much guys like Todd Hartley, guys like Todd Munkin, the position coach and the offensive coordinator, helped raise the level of play for that position at UGA, the position that Scyther hopes to continue to be a uh, big part of and that Brock Bowers clearly was a year ago. So a little more from Brett Scyther right here as a reminder of just how much the profile of this position, the one that Scyther plays, has grown with the Bulldogs over the course of the last couple of seasons. Here's a little bit more from Brett Scyther. I think it's awesome. Our, our playbook is so much fun to play with, especially the passing game, and it's really tight end friendly. I think Hartley's had a good good role in playing with that too. I think he's an awesome coach. I think Munkin's an awesome coach too, and they like to get the ball to the tight end, so we can't complain. There is no complaining from these Georgia tight ends anymore. Maybe at one point, maybe there was. Certainly there's plenty of complaining from fans, but now for the players themselves, they know they are in a system that utilizes their skills, has the potential to anyway, and that much the same way that Brock Bowers got big touches a year ago, plenty more tight ends can expect the same thing to maybe be coming their way this upcoming season there as well. That is Around the Doghouse. This is Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Pest Management. We are pre-recorded today, but boy, I feel like we're still having a really good time. Great start to the show there. Even more now of the comings and goings from Georgia spring practice. Let's get ready to speak to our guy, Mike Griffith, who's on the scene there in Athens each and every day. Glad to have him and all of you with us on the program here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management, always a great time to check in with Mike Griffith on the happenings at Georgia Spring Practice and what else we expect to happen as the dogs get ready for G-Day. Coming up on April 16th, really looking forward to that, being back between the hedges, Sanford Stadium again there for that. So, Mike, as you and I speak, I guess we're slightly more than halfway through spring practice with a couple of weeks still remaining less than a couple weeks remaining before the uh, dogs get after it in front of all the fans and tv and everything else what do you think we've learned about georgia through spring practice uh, thus far uh it's, it's a work in progress i mean I, I think we knew that but i mean it really kind of you know punches you in the nose when you realize that the nucleus of, of the championship team's gone i mean the 14 guys at the combine and and there's some exciting young uh faces and talents out there but guys that haven't done it yet Right, we're hoping that Zion Logue can can be the combination of Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt that, that Cedric Van Pran says he is. But we haven't seen that yet. We're hoping Jamon Dumas Johnson can slide in seamlessly and, and anchor the middle like Nicobe Dean did at a with a first round NFL draft grade. We're hoping someone can find a, their way in the secondary like Lewis Saint, just an ultra talented safety. Um, you know that this never seemed to be out of position. So there's a lot of what ifs and. You're hoping that Thoris and the punter, uh, you, that the drop-off won't be too much from, you know, really a, just tons of hidden yardage with Jake Camarda and the great punting that he did last year. So it, it's very much a work in progress. I think it's, what we've learned is there is a lot of talent on this team, but we know Georgia's got their work cut out for it. I talked about this a little bit before you joined us here today on the subject of Jamon Dumas-Johnson. You know, if you look at the 2017 team that made the college football playoff for Georgia and the 2021 team that won the national championship. One of the two things that those, or should say the thing that those two teams seem to kind of have in common is 
that great play from the interior linebacker spot. Both Ro- Roquan Smith and Kobe Dean, both Butkus Award winners in their respective years there on that. And you could almost infer from that, wow, you know, really important for a great defense to have that great linebacker if you're at Georgia, that guy that kind of operates as a little bit of a field general, something along those lines. And, you know, maybe it's just good to have great players regardless of what position they play, or maybe there really is something to that inside linebacker kind of helping make all of this go, which I think does put a little bit more of a spotlight on Jamon Dumas Johnson. Now, eventually, we're going to ask a lot more questions about Smile Munnan and guys like that once uh, Munnan's back from, uh, you know, a little bit of an injury situation right now. But but JDJ is one of those guys, or I guess Pop, they call him right now, um, who has seemed to generate some buzz this spring. There was some talk about him even for some folks who saw some scrimmage stuff last summer, but he seems to be kind of growing into a role that some very good players have played in at Georgia before. How important do you think, Mike, it is to have that great inside linebacker play because the best Kirby teams have seemed to have one of those guys? Yeah, you think back Monty Rice being injured in 2018, PA being limited at 2018 SEC title game, maybe that comes out different if Monty's healthy, right? Fair so point. I think it's very important, really, 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 really important. Um, you know, Monty missing in the Cincinnati game and the, the run up the middle that the Bearcats you know, it, it's incredibly important because missed, missed alignment means missed assignment. And one of the hallmark uh, trademarks, I guess I should say, of Kirby Smart's defense is just how assignments sound like Ben. They just don't seem to beat themselves very often. You don't, you don't have that what just happened moment where you shake your head and go, wow, another blown assignment. doesn't happen. And, and that's largely because of the players they've had in the middle, whether it was Roquan or Monty or, or Nicobe Dean, and now it seems, you know, a pop here in the middle. Uh, so I think it's integral to success. You know, I've heard, you know, you want your football teams to be strong from the inside out, ideally, especially in the SEC. So I, I think he's very important, and and I think it's a, a very key player. And I think that as we look to see what Georgia does in the future, I, I think having players that are assignment sound is where it starts. It doesn't matter how good you are, you're not lined up in the right place. One of the things I always, and you're in the room, so your read on this is going to be a little bit different than mine maybe, but – one of the things I'm always interested in from Kirby Smart are the things that he brings up kind of unsolicited when, you know, he's asked about a player, he's going to give an answer to that. But when he's asked a general question, when he starts, you know, choosing which players to speak about, you kind of take that to maybe sometimes mean something. And when he was asked about leadership the other day, you know, one of the first guys that he brought up, I think maybe the first guy he brought up was Jamon Dumas Johnson. I don't want to read too much into that. But when you hear Smart say that maybe, you know, this guy they call Pop is stepping in and kind of becoming a little bit of a leader out there, does that give you some hope for that? position group for george that maybe you know, he can help feel as, as we've said now you know big shoes to feel from a dean and, and and obviously what a quay walker has done there when you hear smart you know kind of praising some of the work that he's doing as a leader does it give you some sense that maybe georgia could be going on its way to to filling that void here at least in some measure no doubt uh, i'm very optimistic uh, about uh, pop I, I think he's a star i think he's a star in the making when i saw him on the field I thought he was impactful, you know, much like, you know, the glimpses we got into Kobe Dean early in his career. You know, you, you see a guy that's a playmaker. You see a guy that just makes plays, whether it's an interception or, you know, you know, forcing the fumble. You just, the guy's a player. I mean, he's, he's, he's tough. And, and that's the kind of guy you got to have in the middle of your defense. Um, I think you see it with Jalen Carter on the front line. I think you see it with Pop kind of waiting on the secondary. You know, Chris Smith obviously had some, really good moments last year the pick six against Clemson comes to mind uh, but but yeah I mean there, there's the, there's a basis here 
Um, certainly, you know, I, listen, I expect Georgia to win the East. I, I really do. I know it's a really, it's a, it's a reload. And quite frankly, it's a big ask. I, I know that there's a sense of entitlement after you win a title, but ask LSU about that. Um, it, there's going to be a lot of hard work, but I still think even after everything Georgia lost, and they've never lost this much before, 14 guys at the combine. I mean, that is just, that is a lot of bodies to replace. But I like the metal. I like the attitude of the defensive players that I'm hearing about, and um, and and I, and I think the offense is close. I really do. I think once they once Kirby gets what he wants at the quarterback position, I, I think they'll be fine. I really do. The since the last time you and I have spoken on this program, Georgia has had a scrimmage. You had some reporting at DogNation.com over the weekend about what folks had a chance to see that in person. Thought about that. You know, in talking to those sources and the people who saw it live, you know, what is your takeaway from what Georgia did, you know, theoretically behind closed doors at Sanford Stadium on Saturday? Yeah, you're right. You said it best, theoretically. There were a lot of boosters there and parents of players and, and certainly enough people for me to talk to, you know, enough credible folks to kind of get a feel for what happened. And, you know, really what I wrote about was the 11-on-11 action. I know some other people have thrown some – Stats and crazy. When they're going seven on seven, I don't really count that. <laughs> eleven on eleven is 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 probably as close to football as, as you really get in scrimmage, even though it is scripted. You know, you heard good things about Stetson. Um, heard good things about uh, really all the quarterbacks. Heard good things about Beck. I mean, Stetson and Beck both uh, with some nice scrambles. Beck with a deep throw to Blaylock. I think hearing the good news about Dominic Blaylock. Probably the the overarching theme was that Don Blaylock could be back, and and how important is that? You know, when you look at you know the receiving ranks being thinned out a little bit with uh, you know with Burton transferring to Alabama, you, you kind of get the feeling you need some more bodies there. AD didn't really have his best day, just one scrimmage though. Uh, but AD and McConkey and and if Dom's back and we know Kiaris is back, I mean. That's a, that's a pretty good nucleus. Uh, Marcus Rosemary, Jack Saint, hopefully he stays healthy this year. That's five pretty good perimeter targets. Um, but, but let's, let's get to the juice here. Eric Gilbert looks like something you create in a video game. I mean, he, he's like Darnell, like Darnell Walsh. You see these guys, you can like, goodness, these guys are catching the football. I mean, you, you, you expect them to line up at defensive tackle and mash somebody. No, no, he's a tight end. He's, he can run with the ball in his hands, and you flash back to Eric's first year at LSU, and it's just absolutely dynamic. I think he was their leading receiver through the first uh, six or seven games. So there's a really, really high ceiling there to be excited about. Not not to assume you're going to get, but just to be excited about. You know that potential is there, and, of course, Brock Bowers will be back. So I, I took a lot of optimism out of the scrimmage this weekend. And I think in the case of Gilbert, you know, I know it originally he wanted to be a wide receiver, and I guess – you know, Georgia was willing to let him be listed as that on the roster at one point in time, but now that his weight's a little bit different, that's not really as much of an option maybe now as it would have been before. But, you know, Mike, sometimes these things kind of work out for the best. I mean, I think when you look at some of what Darnell did in his freshman season and obviously a lot of what Browers did a year ago is that when you're one of these very athletic tight ends who can just feast on a safety or something like that who's trying to be in pass coverage against you – there's a lot of opportunities to be had there, and I do truly believe that if Gilbert's going to have kind of a breakout season to Georgia, it's more likely to happen as a tight end than it would be as a, a wide receiver who's maybe battling against a cornerback full-time there. I, I think that Gilbert could potentially be in kind of an intriguing role as a tight end. There are a lot of tight ends. you going to figure out how to play them all, but uh, Gilbert as a tight end is as intriguing as anybody's going to be to me. 
No, for sure. And, and, you know, Brock Bauer showed you last year, you know, that in this offense, the way Todd Munkin calls it, I mean, you look at it, B.A., and if you added together, and I don't have the numbers directly in front of me, but uh, if you added together McConkie and Burton's catches and yards, you'd be about Brock Bowers. Really, you'd be pretty close. I think you might have one or two more catches, another 100 yards. But think about that. The top two perimeter receivers combined had similar numbers to the number one tight end. So it it really has to do with, you know, how the offense is called. And there were times we saw Brock split out. What Kirby pointed out, and I thought this was was really brilliant, true, you really don't want a 250 or 260-pound guy out there running, you know, a 40-yard dash three plays in a row. And those receivers' conditioning has to be just so elite. Um, because you, you're on the perimeter and you're, 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 and when you're not running those fly routes or those you know, routes at full speed, you're running across the field trying to cut somebody or hit somebody. There's a lot more running at, at the perimeter spot. This sounds overly simplistic, but, but it's something to consider for a big guy like an Eric Gilbert or a Darnell Washington or a, a Brock Bowers even. Um, but, but Eric's getting plenty of work. I can assure you that he's working some weight off and, you know, Kirby's been very optimistic about that. I think Kurt Connor Riley had a really good story on that. Uh, you can check that out on dognation.com. So uh, all things, all arrows are pointing up right now for this Georgia team. And yet, and still, I would tell you that the Oregon game is scary on September 3rd. That's a scary game. That, that is, it's a losable game. There are losable games. I thought last year's team, I, I might have even been a little arrogant and cocky about last year's Georgia. There were games I looked at, I saw there's no way they're going to lose that. They can't possibly lose that game. You just felt that with that team, right? This year's team, guys have to come together. They've got to get that trust, and it's a process. And there's only so much you can get done on the practice field. You know, there's going to be some questions that can't really be answered until September 3rd, but I'm feeling better about them after a couple weeks of spring. Let me squeeze in one final question for you here. It seems like to me the most maybe intriguing position groups right now based on you know, who's kind of doing what in spring, kind of, you know, what we might expect to happen later in the summer, maybe what's happening along the offensive line, maybe what's happening with the defensive secondary. It seems like there's the potential for open spots there, the potential for newcomers to kind of emerge in some respects. But um, it, it seems like if you're looking for, like, classic old-school position battles, jockeying and fighting for playing time, you're getting that, especially with the interior of the offensive line for Georgia, both guard spots and probably a little bit uh, across the uh, secondary there as well right now. Is that kind of your sense of this? I, I think so. And and isn't it fun that, that you know, we're talking about who's going to win jobs at offense? Isn't it great, B.A., to talk about a program that competes at a national championship? I mean, there's some sure. schools that they, the fans don't even know who the you know quarterbacks be. You know. But Georgia, I mean, we're, we're, we're digging deep here. We're, we're like, man, this is really interesting. And it is. Is it Willick? Is it Truss? Could, could Micah Morris, uh, when will Ratledge be back? Uh, Amaris Mims, is he going to stay with the team? There's so many stories about offensive linemen, you know, and they, they don't just blend in here. We know how elite the Georgia offensive line is. You know, the other day when, when Dog Nation, Team Dog Nation got together, I, I think you or Jeff might have said it. I mean, this offensive line, the second team offensive line could start at probably all but maybe one or two schools in the SEC. The third team has starters, SEC-capable starters. I mean, that is how good and how deep this Georgia offensive line room. It really is. Um, it, it's where the defensive line was last year. That's how elite this offensive line is, and that's exciting, and, and that means there's going to be competition. And unfortunately, also means some guys may not like where they fit in, and we know there's going to be a little attrition, so we are keeping an eye on that. 
In the secondary, I'm, I'm kind of a blank slate. Like, I just haven't seen these guys yet. I mean, I know Centel's Intel points to a, a great class coming in, but until I lay eyes on them, I, you know, you're a little nervous. You say, okay, you know, Keeley had the oil painting moment, but there were a few other moments that weren't so good. And he is super talented, and he will get better, but I don't know if he'll ever be that lockdown guy. We heard a lot about last year, last fall from Kirby, but never really made that full transition. Like maybe we hoped or thought that he would. It could he this off season? Maybe Nylon Green. He wears that number one jersey. Let's see if we can have a little luck with that number. For goodness sakes, uh, hasn't always worked out the best for folks in that number at Georgia. So there's there's some questions there to your point. But again, I, I'm I'm enthusiastic about it and I'm optimistic about it because these are some these are some talented guys here at Georgia and they're working really hard right now. Well, Mike, you're working really hard there as well. I know we're pre-recorded here on our show for the next couple of days, but you are still uh, in full commission just as much as ever on all of the stuff happening at UGA, <laughs> reacting to the stuff that's coming out, the uh, leaks, the reports, and everything else in between, including your own eyewitness accounts there as well. So, Mike, appreciate that here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. We'll look forward to getting a chance to speak to you again next week as well. Thanks, PA. Look forward to it. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, really good stuff from uh, Mike Griffith. Always happy to have him as a part of the program. And, of course, Mike's going to be a big part of our Dog Nation cruise coming up when we go cruising around the SEC with Royal Caribbean, but also cruising with Royal Caribbean, uh, leaving out of Port Canaveral coming up on April 25th as a part of the very first-ever cruise with Dog Nation. said before, Mike's going to be a part of that. We'd invite you to be a part of that there as well. Still a little bit of time for you to do that. Get to act quick, though, if you, if you want to do it, because – we're kind of getting to crunch time on all of that. So simply go to dognation.com or uh, dognationcruise.com and you can you know find out everything you need to know. Or if you can't go on this one but you want to go on your own Royal Caribbean cruise sometime, trust me when I tell you it is a ton of fun, whether it be the ship we're on, Independence of the Seas, so many great specialty restaurants like Playmaker Sports Bar or uh, Chops Grill, the great uh, high-end, you know, prime steakhouse you've got you know, even like the complimentary dining that you know whether it be this the the main dining room or uh the windjammer cafe so many great options to enjoy great food uh, serenos pizza it is just really amazing how hard royal caribbean works to make everybody feel welcome and everybody have a good time and that's true before you even get to one of the great ports of call but we're going to nassau a ton of fun perfect day coke okay which is exclusively for those on a royal caribbean cruise ship man uh, one of the great places you could ever go. I, I told you before, when I went to a Perfect Day Coco Cay for the first time, I'd been to Coco Cay many times throughout the years, but this past February when we were on Harmony of the Seas, that was my first time actually going to the brand new, which think of as like Perfect Day Coco Cay. And I just was blown away by it. I, I don't know if I could, if I had a choice of spending one day anywhere, I, I'm pretty sure the Perfect Day Coco Cay might be on my list of one of the most fun places you can enjoy so we're going to be doing that together here coming up pretty soon there's still a little bit of time for you to get on board and do it with us if you'd like to so uh, maybe make sure you check that out at dognation.com or dognationcruise.com for the very first ever cruise with dog nation you can find out more about that all right so let's bounce to a couple of stories here for a moment there's some interesting stuff coming out of alabama spring practice the other day where you know nick saban was talking about how much he's enjoying coaching this team right now and the fact that when he looks around the Alabama program, he doesn't see a lot of complainers at the moment. Now, this is interesting from Saban because it's kind of a throwback to what he was recorded saying during a coaching clinic shortly after the national championship game, basically saying that there were some players who were disgruntled, who were complaining, who were 
you may even say whining about their role on the team the fact they weren't getting touches the fact they weren't getting you know the chance to you know to play more and that when it was their time to play they simply weren't ready because they'd spent the entire year kind of pouting about the role they had on this team the fact that Saban has kind of changed his tune on the current makeup of his team kind of left you to wonder well you know hey what's going on here well first of all as we said before that if Saban did have bad team chemistry a year ago, I think that he has to look at himself in the mirror for the, how he himself has kind of cultivated that. Clearly, Alabama has sold the idea of come to our program, get big stats. Come to our program, get more playing time. Don't worry about playing like a place like Georgia, for instance, uh, because let's face it, Jermaine Burton did leave Georgia to go to Alabama, where you play in an ensemble role and you get smaller stats. Come here, you'll be on the field all the time, and you'll get all kinds of stats. Look at all the 1,000-yard receivers we've had because wide receiver position has been one of the places where this has kind of you know seemingly been more of an issue than not well only one or two guys are going to get a chance to be that because only one two three or four guys can be on the field at any one time so say if Saban's had team chemistry issues you're kind of left to wonder did he cultivate those on his own well whether that's true or not something else that's also come out in the last you know 24 hours or so are some rumors and some reports that Ajayi Hall, wide receiver, might be leaving the Alabama program. Now, the truth is this has been going on for more than a year. And by the time you hear me saying this, you may know more about this then than I do now because all we have are some internet reports. Hall had this thing on Twitter where he like responded to one of these deals, but sometimes I don't speak abbreviation very well. You know, when young guys use the abbreviations for things, I'm never quite sure what some of those abbreviations mean. So it wasn't obvious to me from reading uh, Ajayi Hall's tweet if he was confirming that he has left Alabama or that he hasn't left Alabama. I'm honestly not really sure, but it wouldn't be the biggest surprise if he did. The point is, interesting to see these two things happening in concert with each other. Nick Saban saying, oh, yeah, right now we don't have any selfish players. Nobody's complaining. Nobody's doing any of that kind of stuff. And Hall, a guy who's been widely assumed to be one of the players who was unhappy a year ago, reportedly also maybe on the outs with the Crimson Tide. Let's follow this story and let's see how this unfolds over the course of the week. That's worth paying attention to. A name that Georgia fans will also remember from the recruiting trail, legend Cavazos from Ohio State, defensive back who's played some for them, is entering his name in the uh, transfer portal there as well. I don't have any indication as of yet. This is necessarily one to watch for UGA, not necessarily anyway, but it is a reminder of one thing, that there was a, you know, kind of a transfer portal carousel that spawned at the beginning of the calendar year, and Georgia wasn't much of a part of that. There is some thought, though, that Georgia's about to be a part of whatever comes next. And even if Georgia doesn't get back involved with the Cavazos, this is a player they once really liked in the recruiting trail, but even if Georgia doesn't get back involved here, these are the kinds of names we're going to be seeing, the kinds of names that plugged-in college football fans have heard of and know a little bit of something about. So so I think a lot of Georgia fans were left to wonder, well, how come everybody else is grabbing transfer players and UGA is not back at the beginning of the year when folks were? Well, now Georgia's time may be coming around and, you know, names of a similar stature, much the same way that like legend Cavazos has put his name in here. This next crop of players into the portal, that could certainly be worth watching. And uh, we'll see how involved Georgia gets once its own spring practice comes to an end. And then finally, there's this. This is not an SEC story, but it is of interest to SEC fans. Uh, Adam Crandall, uh, I should say Randall, excuse me, a four-star wide receiver, uh, freshman wide receiver Clemson, 
has uh, suffered an injury. It's going to take him off the field here. Uh, bad news for the Tigers there, and obviously you always hate to see you know, a, you know, a promising young player uh, deal with an injury, but that's the situation there for Clemson. It's the kind of thing we all hold our breaths about uh, this time of year during spring practice, those injury situations. But for Randall there at Clemson, that appears to be the case, and uh, certainly prayers to him on a speedy recovery will make that. Cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Also, while I'm pre-recorded right now, we are back live again next week with a whole bunch of fun things in store for you, getting ready for G-Day, but also celebrating the return of Major League Baseball right there at Truist Park, including our own presence there at the park coming up on April 13th. That's a day game against the Washington Nationals, a 12-20 start. What's going to be cool about that is as the Braves celebrate Champions Week to get back started, uh, they're obviously celebrating their own World Series trophy win. Uh, the Braves will also be honoring the Georgia Bulldogs there that day there as well. So you can get your picture taken with the World Series trophy and the College Football Playoff National Championship trophy right there at the same time. you got to have a ticket to the game to do the trophy uh, picture, but listen, it's a great time to be at Truist Park anyway. In fact, we're going to be there that day live broadcasting Dog Nation Daily from Sport and Social, which is a very cool sports bar right there in the Battery Atlanta. It's going to be uh, an incredible day. So happy to have Major League Baseball back. So happy for the entire week's worth of festivities celebrating the Braves' return as World Series champions. And there's a lot of big giveaways to doing the replica rings on Monday. There's so many fun things the Braves are doing. But one of the cool things they are doing is also sharing some of their spotlight with UGA there as well. So it's, it's uh, April the 13th. It's 1220 start there that day and you can get your picture taken with the UGA Championship Trophy and the Braves World Series Championship Trophy if you've got a ticket for the game. So to find out more about this, go to Braves.com Champions Week. That's Braves.com Champions Week. I'll see you there that day, and we get ready to enjoy just a really, really fun time of year for sports here in the state of Georgia. Also, one more shout-out to give you. Our friends at the Finish Long Drink. Uh, you know I love it. Many of you have loved it there as well. In fact, I continue to get messages from you all the time that you've tried it and you've enjoyed it. And if you haven't done that yet, especially as we head towards the warm weather time of year where you're out at golf courses or soon to be sitting by the pool, enjoying time on your front porch or your back patio or anything like that, go to thelongdrink.com. Find out about the four different varieties, traditional in the blue can, long drink cranberry, long drink strong, long drink zero, and just find out why so many people are enjoying this ready-to-drink cocktail. It looks like a beer because it comes in a can, but it's not. It's a mixed drink, a ready-to-drink cocktail right there for you. Uh, TheLongDrink.com. Find out more about that today. And as we uh, get ready to get uh, rolling here to say goodbye to you, we'll give out a golden shoe. We always love doing that, live show or not. Golden shoes are always a lot of fun. In fact, we got one to give out here today. So Richard Koskin shared this with me. And a lot of you over the years have done these where you've kind of got the gator hater license plate in whatever state you might live in. I would imagine in a state like Georgia, that's a pretty hard thing to do. But living out in California, maybe slightly easier. Uh, so Richard said this has been his license plate for more than 20 years. How about the California plate with the gator hater logo and license plate? I love to see that. And he's even got the uh, license plate frame that says the University of Georgia Bulldogs. Richard, that is awesome to see. And uh, certainly really cool, and congratulations there on that. Sharing the gator-hater love way out there in the uh, state of California. By the way, speaking of those lousy, stinking gators, about a gator-hater update, our long national title drought for them, 4,836 days, and our gator-hater countdown. Georgia getting a victory again, 206 days from right now, back in Jacksonville. We will see you tomorrow on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management.